0: We're in the middle of this series on Advent and uh, we've covered two of the things um, of four that we will be covering and I thought it might help if we just saw maybe an emoji of each of the first things we've done. Uh, We did love the first week. Y'all remember love? And, And we found out some things about love. We found out what we know that love is not just a feeling but it's an action, it's a thing we do. And, and that perfect love is only found in Jesus Christ. He's the only one that ever did it perfect. And um, and, and it's kind of like, y'all ever got those, uh, y'all do gift exchanges at work? You ever done one of those, or gift exchange with family or something? You know, it's a $15, $20 budget, and you get that gift, and you're already thinking of who you're going to give it to? <laughs> right? You, you re-gifted? Yeah, somebody's done it, right? Like, you, oh, this will be... Thank you so much. This will be perfect for Aunt Jenny. All right, you don't say it out loud, but you're thinking it. Well, love is kind of like that. Like You can't give real love unless you've accepted it from the giver of love. Amen. All right, you, It's a re-gift. It's not something you're going to come up with and be great at on your own. You've got to accept it and be in him before you can give it. And so we talked about love the first week. Uh, last week, uh, Chris talked about joy. And that we found out that joy is not just happiness, it's not uh, dependent upon circumstances, it's like this deep-seated thing that only the Holy Spirit and, and that, that what Jesus did in the manger and then the cross uh, can do for us, that we can find joy regardless of a circumstance. Uh, this week we're going to talk about peace. And, uh, and peace is a little bit different. Love is very active and forward-looking. Joy is, uh, it also is kind of an active thing. Uh, peace is really about being present in a moment. Like, it, that feeling right there. Like, can you see what peace is in just that face? Just like, oh man, it's just peaceful right here. Like, this is good. And, and maybe that uh, uh, is um, uh, where where. Peter was when he was, was it Simon the Tanner's house, right? He was by the beach, and we said Peter just kind of hanging out with all this stress to do. Maybe he knew what peace was in that moment. The, the Hebrew word uh, for peace is shalom. Shalom. Y'all have heard that, right? Hebrew word shalom. Um, in the Greek, it's Irene, and it's about 550 times this is mentioned in the Bible. It's semi-important. Um... And uh, and it begs this question, what is peace? What is shalom? What does it mean to have peace? In my mind, uh, the most ultimate peace this world has ever known was the Garden of Eden. Like when everything worked the way God designed it. Yeah. All right? And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But I found this video of these kids from a school in Texas, and they asked them, what is peace? And we're going to hear what they think peace is. Space. Just cute. Settled and quiet. When you're listening to other people, just being calm. You can be free to be creative family. It's harmony. A state of enlightenment. For me personally, like being asleep, like I think it's probably one of the more peaceful things you can do. <laughs> Whenever you get to do exactly what you love. Community. Being oh. content. Not being afraid to go where you want to go, do what you want to do. fulfill The element of being nice to someone. That you have space for yourself. Pretty. Pillows and blankets and beds. <laughs> School. It will look great. Quiet. Being able to agree on things and compromising. Taking care of your friends. Probably treating others the way that you would want to be treated. People playing. Uh, Setting aside differences to uh, come together for the greater good. It would look like a place that had direct communication as a real basis. Really big trees. I feel like trees make people nicer. People think about other people before they say stuff. Just being chill with one another. Respecting everyone's opinion and not judging anyone. Holy cabelli! I just feel so loved here and it's a big community. So uh, they had lots of ideas about peace, and you probably got ideas about what peace is. And we're going to talk about this and what the Bible says about it, and we're really going to look at it from two angles. For me, uh, one of the things that's peaceful for me is a cup of coffee. Y'all like coffee? Like, you ever been going to work and leaving your neighborhood, and, and there's maybe some retired folks in your neighborhood, and they're on the porch drinking coffee while you're going to work? And you're like, oh, man, they, they got it made. Like, I wish I was just sitting there drinking a cup of coffee. Um, this, is a, this was a gift, uh, not to me. It was to Bethany, but I drank out of it this morning. And it was actually from Billy, and it was uh, just f- about a month ago. And you can kind of see a picture of there. Can you all read what it says? Easy like Sunday morning. From a pastor's wife to a pastor's wife. That's a joke. <laughs> okay? And just, just in case some of you all aren't pastors and don't get that. That's like easy, like Sunday morning. <laughs> no, all right, like no, it's not. And, but this morning I was drinking out of this mug, and I woke up this morning at five thirty from a nightmare. Y'all ever wake up from a nightmare? Yes. So, so here's a pastor's nightmare: the lights don't work. And this was real. Like I, I woke up with this just level of anxiety in my dream. I was back there in the sound booth, but it was in a different church and it was a different place. And like the light wouldn't work. They wouldn't, they wouldn't come up. Then the band didn't show up. Then the PowerPoint didn't work. And then it's like, and, and, and you carry all this weight of pressure on yourself, like to get things done and like, oh man, I'm failing today. Y'all ever feel like you're failing? You feel like a failure? This was a week for me where man, I just felt like every day I failed. And I woke up that this morning and I got this mug out of the cabinet. And I'm drinking my coffee and it studying and thinking about Today ain't talking about peace. <laughs> like, oh, man, like I don't have any peace right now. How am I going to preach on this? How am I going to talk about this when I don't even have it myself? And, and we find out that the, the word peace in the Old Testament was about not just the absence of conflict, but it was about completeness. It was about wholeness. And that's why I said like in the Garden of Eden, I think was the greatest example because everything was working exactly as God designed it. So the way he created it, it was at peace. Uh, Adam and Eve were at peace with God. They were at peace with one another. They were at peace with God's creation. It wasn't, you know, briars and thickets and, and, and work. And everything was at peace and it was whole And it was complete. In Genesis 131, we read that God said, All that God had made, God saw all that He had made and said it was good. Like in that moment. Oh man, that's where we want to be, right? That's that's the life we want to live. Peace is also this confident assurance in any circumstance. I love some of the wisdom from those kids, didn't you? I mean, there was some good stuff in there. Not afraid. Um uh putting your own desires to the side for the common good. Sounds like there's some Bible in there. I think Paul said some things like that. Of uh, being content. Like there was a lot of good stuff in there. It was all perfect, it was shalom, it was complete. And I was thinking about it this morning as I was drinking. <laughs> out of this mug, and I realized um, that the verse when the angels were talking about Jesus that we're going to read in a minute said there will be peace on earth, on earth there will be peace. It doesn't mean peace in circumstances and world peace and like these things we're going to talk about. Why is it like this? Why, Why is there no peace at Christmas? When we all get together, why is there no peace in the workplace? Why is there no peace in our community? Why is there no peace on our TV? Why is it not here? We're going to understand that by the time we end today. But what happened in the Garden of Eden is things changed when Adam and Eve, mostly Eve. (laughs) I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Messed things up. Because God had given them something. God had given them something very valuable, this free will. Because absent man's free will to serve and love God, what good is serving and loving God? If God created a creation that he said, love me and made them love him, then love doesn't exist. It's merely just a creative thing. Love is a decision. It is a choice. See, Adam and Eve used their free will to put themselves before God. In Romans, it says we inherited that, right? By by one man, sin entered the world. But it also says hey, we've done our own share. Like absent him doing it, you've warped worshiped yourself at some point in your life. You've broken a commandment of God at some point in your life. And so sin does two things. Sin separated Adam and Eve from God, Adam and Eve from God. They were separated. They became this chasm, this disconnect. They were no longer holy and righteous and obedient. They'd broken God's commandment, and there was separation. And the same is true for every man, woman, child, born since, except one. Separates from God the shame, the guilt. Paul also said in Romans that the wages of sin are death, which means eternal separation from God himself. Second thing sin does in our life separates us from God. It creates chaos. All right, it creates chaos, and and, and maybe some 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 teenagers and younger people in here can hear uh, th- this thought. There's um, there, there's a verse in First Peter. I'm going to skip through these, and I'll come back in just a second. First Peter three ten through eleven. It says this: If you want to enjoy life. And see many happy days. Keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. Amen. So here's what I want to tell you. Yeah, yeah, God gave all these commandments. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't, don't steal. No adultery. Don't covet. And, and you know what? It's not just a list of things to keep you from having fun. All right, and, and, and by breaking those, not only does it break your relationship with God, but it breaks your relationship, creates chaos in your life. He, he's actually saying if you want to have a really good life, not just a good evening, okay, then don't lie. I mean, where does lying get you? you in a mess. It breaks trust. It affects your ability to lead. Like it, it'll break your relationship. It'll break your marriage. It'll destroy your family. Like it's not just don't do this. It's like, I'm telling you, if you want to be happy, if you want to have a good life, here's the things, this is the way I designed it to work. And, and if you want to be have peace. So, so the more, the more we grow like Christ and do good things and choose righteousness over sin, the actual more peace in our circumstances there will be in our life. Does that make sense? So it it breaks our relationship with God. It separates us from him, but it also creates chaos in our life. If you would imagine um, this idea of shalom, uh, and I'm going to use some coffee mugs. It's a coffee day, okay? Is that all right? I'm going to put this one down. Easy like Sunday morning. Not true. Let's see here. I'm not gonna sing that either. I think this is one. All right, so we, we've got these uh, these mugs at our house. They're called Blue Willow. Y'all ever heard of Blue Willow? We have like I don't know. Like you start buying these at thrift stores or whatever, you see them around. You're like, oh, we need two or three more of those, and then you got like 40. You're like we've never had 40 people in our house. I guess we could just not run the dishwasher for a couple of weeks. You know, just keep using a clean coffee cup. But we got these, and so I started pulling these out because we got some different ones. Um, and this idea of completeness and wholeness, sometimes shalom, it actually referred to like a stone that was perfect, a stone that had no breaks in it, had no cracks in it. It was just whole and complete. And so we, I found one mug that's pretty close to that. This one, I know you couldn't see it, so I, I, we took some pictures um, so you can kind of see up close on the screen. That was pretty close to perfect. Oh, look at that one right here. Then you have, like, and this, and Jesus lived this completeness. I want you to understand that. He was perfect. He was whole. He had no cracks, no blemishes, no mess-ups, no mistakes. He was what God intended. Uh, Some of us are like this one, that we've got, like, this blatantly open mistake sin in our life that they just look at you and they know. Like, everybody knows you messed up. Anybody got one of those? Everybody knows. You might as well raise your hand. Okay, you don't have to raise your hand. Nobody raised their hand. Perfect. People here. <laughs> some of us got that one big crack, right, that everybody sees and blemish we messed up. Uh, some of us might have, let's see, this, this one. Uh, this is a little different style, but it, and it's a little older. And if you look down in it, oh, my gosh, it's just like... It's probably like a million cracks. Who's that? <laughs> we got we got several people on up. Like, yeah, I've just made maybe a bunch of little things, but still, I'm broken. Um, and then then I got one more here that you know looks pretty good from the outside. I like can kind of hide it you know, if I didn't zoom in and I was just drinking out of it. I may hold it the other way. Nobody would see it, but really, inside, what nobody's seeing, there's brokenness. The reality is, we're we're all really probably a combination of the three of those. All right, well, we, there's been somebody in your life that you've blatantly done wrong and they've seen it and they know it and they could come tell a story on you anybody want to give me some cell phone numbers <laughs> all right, and just let somebody tell a story on what you did or what happened um, but we're all three of these and we're going to come back to this in a minute the entire old testament people lived because of sin in their life broken and separated from god working Working hard to earn it back, following rules, creating rituals, trying to obey the commandments, putting in place temples and and hierarchies and and priests and and ways to earn back their good standing with God. And they could never do it through their work. And there was a, uh, um, in Micah, the book of Micah, a prophet. Said there was going to come a child, a king out of Bethlehem. And that that king out of Bethlehem was going to be the source of peace. He would be the source of peace. Does that sound exciting? Because uh, to them, you've got to imagine how exciting that sounded, because they've been living generation after generation of peace, of no peace with themselves and no peace with God, like continually trying to re-earn God's favor just over and over and never being able to get there. And Micah says, but there's going to come a time when a child will be born in Bethlehem and he will be the source of peace. And some of the Jews, they took that and kind of heard, oh, he's going to be a mighty king, but he was going to be an eternal king. (laughs) It was different. And see, that yoke was heavy that the Jews were carrying trying to please God, trying to create peace with God, trying to get rid of the guilt, the shame, trying to find favor. That's heavy. Jesus said, you need to put that off. He literally told them, like, put that off. My yoke is easy. Like, all you have to do is believe and trust me. I'm going to do the hard work. I'm going to fulfill all that. Every law. I've come to fulfill it. I'm going to do that. You don't have to. You just trust me. Just be with me. Be my people. Chris read this passage, Luke two. It's the Christmas story. I'm going to read it again. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news and will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Peace on earth. That means here comes the source of peace. This is Jesus. This means that in this baby, is going to be wrapped up. One of the things I said sin broke down was the separation between us and God. In this baby, every man, woman, breathing has the opportunity to accept this gift and find peace with God. You find peace with God, you can get right back into where, where where it all started in that same relationship. Like all your sin can be white as snow under the blood of Jesus. Like in Him can be peace with God. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by working hard and giving enough and, and, and staying, you know, stay, staying away from uh, uh, sinful things and sinful places... Uh, no, it says in God's sight by faith. That's it. Do you believe? Do you believe in Jesus? Then you've been made right. You've been made right in God's sight. That means sin, the punishment for sin's over, no longer, eternal death, no hell. You're going to heaven, big mansion, we're going to live it up. We've been made right in God's sight by faith. We have peace with God, your maker. You are brought back into a peaceful relationship with him because of what you know, because of what Jesus Christ, this manger, because of what he did, what he did for us. We have peace with God. Because of Jesus, if you take taking notes, this is, the, this is the crux of the sermon. Because of Jesus, you can have peace with God. And because we have peace with God, we should be a peacemaker in this world. Because we have peace with God, we should be a peacemaker. I love when the angel says, I go back here so you can... I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. To all people? Like even people that don't believe in Jesus? And I love that in the Old Testament, God told Abraham, He said, your your people will be a blessing to all the nations. That begs the question, Is the church a blessing to the community and the people who don't even go to church who don't even believe in Jesus? Would they say that church is such a blessing? They've brought me joy in the good they've done in their heart and the way they've served and the way they've loved. Would, would, are we bringing joy and we making peace? I think that's what God calls us to do. I' want to go to Colossians just for a minute before we close um let me check my time here i've been trying to do better you're all so happy have been trying to go longer for y'all first time here no i'm kidding so how do we make peace in this world how do you get world peace why isn't there world peace how do we do it colossians 3 uh, lays this out and this is for the church how to get peace in the church, which means Paul was writing it to a church that was not peace in. So if you can't get peace in the church, it's probably not too hopeful to get it on CNN and Fox News, okay? Colossians 3, 5 says, so put to death the sinful earthly things working in you. How you get world peace, sin's got to die. In you, in your neighbor, in every single person. Like you got to put sin to death. Are we able to do that? No. No, we can be new and have life in Christ, but every one of us will still struggle. Not it is not feasible that everybody at your Christmas family get together will not have one moment or lapse. Of sinful behavior. <laughs> All right? So don't go into those things, into your workplace, expecting it to be peaceful because there are humans there and humans aren't peaceful. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of the world. I mean, Paul just starts listing it out here. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of the world. So you're saying a Christian could get back into those things? He's writing this to Christians. And they've gotten messed up, and he's trying to drag them back. He's like, "Wait, you're a Christian. You're a new creature. You're not supposed to act this way and behave this way, because it creates chaos in your life. It affects your witness, and you can't grow, and you can't lead, and you can't be what God has called you to be with sin in your life. So he's telling them, because of these sins, and anger, of God, you do these things when your life is still part of the world. But now's the time to get rid of anger." Rage, malicious behavior, slander and dirty language. Don't lie to each other for you've stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. World peace, family peace, die to sin. Simple, easy, (laughs) solved it. Die to sin. What are these things here? Anger, rage, malicious behavior, some rough stuff. Uh, don't uh, lying, don't I, I was looking at some notes on this one other people talked about here. Uh, don't exaggerate statistics. don't spread gossip. you know gossip can break uh, a family, a relationship, a workplace, a church in half like that. Don't tear other people down. Don't say things to build up yourself. There's a good rule about gossiping and complaining. Like, if the person you're talking about can't do anything about it, does that make sense? Like, if you're talking to somebody about somebody else and that person can't do anything about it, then it's it's gossip, it's complaining, it's not helpful, it's slander. Like, if you have an issue with someone or someplace, like, the correct route is go to that person. Because out of that person, because what... If you have a heart of restoration and for Christ, then you go to the person. If you have a heart for yourself, you go to somebody else and you build yourself up by tearing somebody down. You see that happen? You experience it? Never done it? I've never done that. I'm just kidding. We all have. Y'all got all these little cracks. It's what we do. I'm not I'm just saying we got to try harder. We got to try better we gotta we gotta trust the holy spirit Three ten through 11 says put on your new nature oh that sounds good now we're getting to feel much better and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him in this new life it doesn't matter if you're a jew or a gentile circumcised or uncircumcised barbaric uncivilized slave or free i love this last line christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us and we're all coming with big cracks, little cracks. That's probably not a good analogy to use. Let that, it'll hit you in about two minutes. Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be the holy people. Come on. It's going to end up on YouTube or something. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And this last verse, which I love, and let the peace, let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, we're called to live in peace and always be thankful. I love that he throws that in at the end. And always. Be thankful. Paul shared this same uh, call to action in 1 Corinthians where he said, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Peter, in 1 Peter 3, said, Finally, all of you should be of one mind, sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. Our ability to be the light, I'm talking about our ability as the church, as New Beginnings, if you will, but I'm saying as Christians, as Christians. Our ability to be a light to the world is going to hinge on our ability to love each other. To be united with one another. Because shalom is completeness, it's wholeness. There, there's no divisions. And if we are to be the body of Christ, Christ was whole. And so we have to call ourselves back on these things And do just as Paul and Peter said, die to sin, die to ourself. All that matters is Christ, and he is in us. Uh, There was this one Bible scholar, biblical scholar, his name is Jonathan Pennington. He wrote it like this. "Uh, Human flourishing alone is able to encompass all human activity and goals because there's nothing so natural and inescapable as the desire to live and live in peace. These are not merely cultural values or the desire of certain people or time period. This desire motivates both belief in religion and the rejection of it. Monogamous marriage and promiscuous lifestyle. Waging war and making peace. The desire for peace, this natural hunger to be, live at peace can drive either one of these things. Studying history, creating art, planting fields, or making, building skyscrapers, all human behavior, when analyzed deeply enough, will be found to be motivated by the desire for life and flourishing individually and corporately to live in peace. Colossians 3 is important. It's about how do we live in peace together. But Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. You know, you can make a difference in somebody's life this week. There's somebody that is, is full of, like their, their life is full of not so great circumstances. I think about our, our neighbors and friends in western Kentucky. I think about people that was easy to see on, see on the news or see a picture and then get back into our life. I think about them and what life looks like this morning. For them, their circumstances are totally different. My question is how this week do we, Individually, as a family, as a church, how do we be peacemakers? I'm going to give you just a few things that will make life easy for you. In closing, and these come directly from Colossians. One is forgive somebody. You're carrying it with you. Like you're harboring it. And, uh, and, and, And it's just tearing the peace out of your life just forgive somebody, whoever it is, your mom, your dad, your child, your friend, your spouse, your coworker, I don't know, the cashier at McDonald's. I mean, some of y'all came in with all kinds of stuff this morning. <laughs> Be kind. So simple. You know when 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 one of God's children land in a workplace, in a school, or a construction site, or a bank, or a business meeting, or a, you know they're a student at a school and you're in a classroom, like you should bring peace with you. Like absent the church, this world would go to utter chaos. You understand what I'm saying? Like for us to give some semblance of peace in our community, we've got to be the givers and the source of it. We've got to set examples. So if we're not being kind, if we're not forgiving others, how do we expect others to? So how do we be kind? and Try to do it in every instance. That even to the people who aren't kind to you, I mean, just do it. Slay them. Slay your enemies with love and kindness this week. See what happens. Our tongues, God, these things are like so many of those things in Colossians that cause division, break it apart. It's in the tongue. Paul says, if, 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 if you basically what your mom said, if, you're not, if you can't say something good, don't say anything at all. Right? Use your tongue to say those things that, which are uplifting and encouraging. Anything other than that is tearing things apart. Amen. So think about the tongue this week. Search your heart for selfish ambition. Uh, overlook someone's faults. Like I'm married, I do that all the time. Overlook someone's fault, someone that just gets on your nerves because of the way they hold their face or whatever. like there's so, I know y'all. <laughs> and maybe they're always always a little bit late or maybe they uh, you know, maybe there's just things that get on your nerves. Can you just see them as like another broken cup? I can just try to overlook it long enough to share some love and kindness. And really if we want to be real peacemakers we lead people to Jesus. <laughs> All right. Like there's only so much we can do. Like the the best way to do it is like there's more changed hearts in the classroom, there's more changed hearts in the community. And and there's something powerful Jesus said in John 14, so I'm telling you these things now while I'm still with you. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit. He'll teach you everything. You and me. He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I've told you. And Jesus said, I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. That little kid had that down. Remember what I told you. I'm going away, but I will come back to you again. See, the beautiful thing about these cups is they're all broken. uh, But they still hold coffee. (laughs) They still work. And maybe, maybe us, as bro- the, the thing that holds us broken people together and allows us to work is this, the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Holy Spirit's holding your life together, filling your cup. It should be full of peace. See, I can preach that honestly right now because I confessed that I didn't start this day with peace. But in Christ, in relation with God, we have peace because of Jesus. And because of Jesus, and He changes our heart, and the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, the chaos that created by sin in our life, we're closer and closer like God, and sin goes down and down, and righteousness and holiness should be coming up and up. And the more it comes up, the less chaos you're going to have in your life. Because of Jesus, we can have peace with God, and because we have peace with God, we should be, can be, will be a peacemaker. We'll make a difference. Your place, your life, your neighbors should experience peace from us, if nowhere else from us.